It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder see their winning streak snapped against the Philadelphia 76ers. Chet Holmgren drops 33 points, J-Dub injury, a little uncertain, and more on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder, snapping their winning streak to the 76ers. Chet Holmgren drops 30 again. Josh Giddy plays and the 76ers. Shot 45 free throw attempts. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Go download the Game Time app, create an account, use code LOCKEDINNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder basketball again, trying to get over this little uh, little uh, head cold issue, but still, it's a post game. So there's a post game recap podcast. Now, Josh Giddy did play, and obviously, I'm aware of what's being alleged on social media about Josh Giddy. Uh, you know, that happened after we recorded Wednesday's podcast uh, following the Bulls game. There's no further information that I have other than what's being talked about and discussed on social media. Josh and Mark were both given the opportunity to talk about the situation. They each said no comment. I don't feel as though there's any reason for me uh, to comment on it, frankly, because I don't know enough information that, that's out there yet that is concrete enough to further discuss it. Uh, the NBA is handling an investigation right now. They're looking into it. When that happens and when that is finished and when the details come out from that, at that time, we will re- reopen this conversation on the show and we will talk about it then. So we're going to talk about it, but just at the proper time when their details have came out. But there isn't enough information to do anything right now other than speculate. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you how you should or shouldn't feel or you should or shouldn't go about your business. I'm simply going to wait for this investigation to conclude, cover the team, and then when that investigation comes back, looking into it comes back, we will discuss it at that point. So a lot of questions of if Josh would play or not in this game. The Thunder let Josh practice and speak to the media Friday. Uh, and then after practice, the league announced that they were going to look into the situation. Uh, and then the Thunder played him and, and started him and played him as normal minutes on, on Saturday against the Sixers. The Thunder you know, said that that decision is left in the league's hands whenever the league gets involved. 
The league, of course, got involved Friday, and the league did not uh, or did not to this point uh, discipline him or or sit him out. So he was able to play based upon the league was involved, and they didn't do anything about it yet. Uh, so that's why he played. It was not like a thunder choice or anything. They just kind of let the league take over, and so far the league is still you know, going through the process of that and whatever comes of it, we'll talk about at that time. Uh, but aware of everything that Josh uh, was not aware of it at the time of the recording of the last podcast, uh, but there's just not anything for me to discuss on solid ground that will wait till we do have that solid ground. Now, speaking of solid ground, uh, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara has a hip injury that he sustained against Golden State. He played through it, woke up Sunday against Portland. Uh, of course, this is last Sunday against Portland, uh, feeling sore. So he didn't play versus Portland. And then he missed that Bulls game Wednesday. And now he missed this game versus the Sixers. And uh, so now missing three games. And the next game's not until Tuesday. If he were to play in that game, he would have lost out on three games for the sake of nine days off. However, you know, I asked Mark to clarify you know, J-Dub's status, if, if he's day-to-day or week-to-week or kind of what his status is. Uh, Mark elected not to do that, and he cited that, you know, last season the organization got fined for uh, discussing too much into the injury report, um, but that's what he decided to do. He said Kaysen was day-to-day a month ago. I didn't know what the kind of procedure was there, uh, but no comment on the J-Dub hip injury, so we'll see. Right now, we just don't know what the severity is. Jada posted a TikTok uh, on on uh, Friday about injured dub. You know, Jada's the most active player on social media, at least on the Thunder team, if not the entire NBA. Uh, he's he's free to post whatever he wants. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, Mark did not clarify if he's day to day or week to week, but we'll just see. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if he does and is able to play Tuesday, which the Thunder do need Jada to play. Uh, this was a great trade-off in the sense of, you know, if you just needed rest to miss three games for the sake of nine days off is a massive trade-off that you rarely get the opportunity um, to be given in the NBA with the nature of the schedule. So, you know, you got kind of fortunate that, you know, this sore hip flared up. If it is just a sore hip and he does play Tuesday, of course, this is a big if, but like, if that's the case with the holidays and everything, you got kind of fortunate that like you get nine days off to sacrifice three games and two of them, were against bad teams that you were able to take care of. And then, yeah, you had to give up this game versus Philadelphia. But, you know, that's still a elongated time off for, for a short amount of uh, missed games. I mean, look at the schedule that we have seen the Thunder have at the beginning beginning part of the season where they were playing just nonstop basketball uh, at the beginning. So, ultimately, we'll see. Like It's just a wait-and-see period with J-Dub on, on what it looks like, what the severity is, what the injury even really is besides just a sore hip. Uh, we don't know what the actual like diagnosis is beyond that, so we'll see. Uh, but tried to get clarification on that; it did not. Uh, it did not go uh, for for that. So let's talk about Chet Holmgren, who was really good tonight against the Sixers. Like when you look at this kind of matchup, the Thunder you know, coming off a couple of days off and kind of a long stretch here where they've only played you know three games this week. You enter a home evening, afternoon game, kind of weird tip time just in general uh, for a 4 p.m. tip. It's really rare that you see that, especially in you know central time. It's usually 2.30 or 7, uh, but 4 tip was kind of weird. But 
first chance for Chet versus Joel Embiid. Um, you know, of course, players are going to say that every game is the same game and it, and it all counts the same, and you just kind of treat it no differently. But I would I would be I'd be kind of wondering if this game, of course, was circled on Chet's calendar for playing Embiid for the first time in a real game. He's of course played Embiid before in those pickup runs that we saw on YouTube a couple summers ago, and I believe he played him again this summer. But uh, with with Chet versus Joel and the questions of could Joel just absolutely uh, snap Chet in half? That didn't happen. Chet's still uh, alive and well. It, it was a good sign from Chet in this game, especially offensively. And then there were some interesting wrinkles to this as a big picture outlook with Chet playing with Jay Will. And of course, he got mixed in there with Chet Home with uh, with Kendrick Williams as well in this game, which he's been mixing in with him since Kendrick Williams has been back from injury, which I think is a good uh, kind of look for him to to play with those lineups some, especially against guys like Joel Embiid. Uh, but that third quarter just showed you the star power that Chet Holmgren has. 12 points in that third quarter. Most of them came at the beginning of the third frame where he was just on fire. He had five threes in this one, six rebounds. That step in three versus Joel Embiid at the end of the game was electric and just shows the kind of player and plays he can make. And Sometimes those plays go your way. Like you saw that against Golden State where that turnaround three went your way to go to overtime. You win the game in overtime. Sometimes you're going to hit that step in three against Joel Embiid and they're going to miss their free throws in Philadelphia. And you'll have a chance to capitalize on uh, the advancement and, and take the lead and kind of go from there. So it was great to see him hit that kind of difficult shot. Five for 11 from three overall. The pick and pop really worked for him. He was still able to expand his game as a uh rolling lob threat where he's able to go up and control the lob with one hand and flush it down. He had that great cut through the lane where he kind of soared to the rim, dunked it down statue of Liberty style. And the, the versatility of how he can score is like a pick and pop guy, a catch and shoot guy, stationary, a dribble in, uh, you know, step into a three guy. And you saw him when he got switched on to Therese Maxey, he's able to just face up on Maxey walk him to the nail and just shoot right over him. Like it wasn't as though he backed him down and backed him down or did anything special other than just walk the ball to his spot versus a very you know smaller player and just rise up and shoot a very easy uh, mid-range jumper because it's easy because he's, you know, of course, that's such a height difference. Like Maxi did nothing wrong and did, and did a contest the best he could, but you can just get to your spots versus those guys whenever you're a seven-foot skill player like Chet Holmgren is. Now, the offensive stuff, We've seen that come along the last few games. What was different this game was some of the defensive stuff and kind of who he was playing with and, and what the lineups were looking like. And this game overall was different for Chet and for the Thunder. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, better good friends over at Game Time. Folks, Game Time is great. Go there right now. Use code locked in NBA for $20 off your first purchase. What Game Time does is it allows you to Get the best seats at the lowest prices, fast, last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. So you can go there right now, and you're never going to have to worry about, uh, you know, if there's going to be an option for you. So what I like to, you know, use as an example here is just like the Thunder in general. If you live in downtown Oklahoma City, where they play 41 times, you, you probably can't make it to all 41 games, uh, you know, with life and family and everything else. So. Each game day, you you know, you kind of think to yourself throughout the day, yeah, can, can I make it to this one? Can I make it to this one? You can push that decision on down the wire and go ahead and make it at the right call for you and get the lowest prices 
guaranteed on these flash deals, on the zone deals, last minute ticket deals. They have it all for you over there at game time. You get a view from your seat. They also uh, can allow you to kind of see what your seat looks like. If it's a, if it's a good kind of angle for you, what you prefer uh, with your seats. And they also help you out on like what the value of the deal is in general. You can use them for sports like the NBA, but you can also use them for theater, movies, concerts, all that fun stuff, comedy shows, everything that you need to ticket to, you can get at game time. Go there right now, game time. Use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Make sure that you create your account. Redeem the code locked on NBA, L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off your first purchase. That's $20 off your first purchase. Go there right now, download the Game Time app, and make sure you go there because you get the lowest prices guaranteed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. So this game was different for the Thunder, and it was different for Chet especially. We've seen his variety and array of scoring that he's been able to have as a pick-and-pop weapon, as a pick-and-roll guy in the dunker spot on cuts. Uh, he's been able to have catch-and-shoot threes, movement threes, curling around screens, being the screener. He's able to do a lot of things offensively. In transition, especially, he's really good as a trailer. Like We've seen the ways he can score offensively, and that continues to uh, get better and better as the season progresses. But defensively, there's also things to learn about him. And so this was a different game from who you're playing, right? You're playing, you know, one of the most physical bigs in the NBA and Joel Embiid. You're playing a a Sixers team that uh, kind of grinds it out because they get to the free throw line so much, like the whole herky-jerky start-stop of the nature of just going to the line 45 times. Like that plays a part in kind of changing the tempo, changing the pacing, changing the style of the game. Uh, And then when you look at this too with Chet, you're playing a team who is – kind of perfectly designed to to beat your your kind of whole scheme here of uh, collapsing hard in the paint and helping in the paint and then spraying out to recover and contest the threes. There's not a ton of guys in Philadelphia who you would prefer shooting open threes, uh, so that hurts you. And then also, when you do collapse hard and try to play aggressive and try to play a size up uh, with, with your wings and with your guards – the refs actually do call fouls whenever Joel Embiid is, is down there. So like Embiid is going to get the benefit of the whistle, uh, that superstar whistle, even if like you look at it and go, I mean, how did, how did X guard really make Embiid flail like that? Like, okay, we get it. They're going to get calls, but it does present a different challenge for this scheme and for this team and the identity that I like to play with. So uh, the Thunder tried new things. They tried J-Will next to Chet. And of course they had tried Kenrich in this game and they had tried him in, in other games as well, like against Victor Minyama, for example, where, where Kenrich took on Victor and Chet uh, was more so uh, floating around. But this game is as though they kind of use J-Will and Kenrich as like shock observers, absorbers to the bigger body and Joel and to the bigger bodies 
that Philadelphia has uh, and allowed Chet to kind of uh, play. I don't know if you want to call it freer, but like he was, he's playing more in the, in the corner and was able to kind of rover around. They tried this in summer league. And if you remember, it didn't look that well in summer league. I think that part of the reason why it looked better tonight was that uh, there was more of a reason to do it because you're, you're playing Philadelphia who played to that style. Whereas in summer league, you're mainly playing like a very high tempo, like typically smaller. You're typically not playing in B type level of athletes and, and, and uh, dumping it down to the post and playing that style of basketball. You're typically playing smaller lineups from top to bottom. Cause most guys that you want to get a look at and get a tryout to are wings and our guards. So that's like a disadvantage of playing both Chet and J will uh, in summer league. And then also their jump shots weren't falling, uh, especially Chet, of course, in summer league. So, it didn't look as clean there either offensively whenever they were not being able to space the floor properly offensively. Then it kind of compounded the problem whenever they also uh, were not their best selves defensively because you're playing so small in summer league, typically with your matchups. So it looked better in this NBA game, but the ability to have that kind of curveball in your repertoire is needed. Now, I wouldn't go too far with that. I don't think that the Thunder should be should be playing another big next to Chet for 48 minutes or or even start another big next to Chet. But being able to have that option kind of is a, a welcomed uh, idea. And Jay will and Chet were able to work together uh, and were able to uh, have some crucial stops against the Sixers. But again, it just it felt like Jay will was kind of used to kind of absorb some, some of uh, the punishment from Joel Embiid and you, you saw plays where like Jay will got the charge, but if he weren't, if he didn't get the charge, Chet literally got blocks on Embiid. So did Jay, by the way, on Embiid, uh, but it just got negated by uh, the charge call for Jay will to take a charge on Embiid. But interesting to see them play this together. Mark talked about it, like that they're going to do that more. And that the reason why they haven't uh, done that a ton is because of course, Jay will was hurt to begin, begin the season, but they're going to need to be able to play together and play that way during certain times. And I think that that's kind of what this is. I, I, I don't think it's all or nothing. I think that sometimes we look at this conversation, especially of, of do the Thunder need another big? Do they need to play Chet with a big? We look at this as like black and white, all or nothing. It's either 100% of the time you do this or 100% of the time you do that. You need to have the options to sometimes you are going to need an, an extra big in there. Sometimes you're going to need to let Chet play the five, as we've seen all season long, how good that that can look, even against uh, other big teams. But Joel Embiid, obviously much different uh much different player, much different skill set and uh, and uh, pain to deal with as a weapon for the Sixers. Uh, Jay Will looked really good. The, the charges look good, but also just him as an overall offensive hub, operating at the elbow, operating at the top of the key, just as a playmaker. He set guys up, especially Chet, because Chet's like who got all of his assists. But he set guys up, and even when he wasn't getting assists, he got the ball connected and got the ball moving uh, in the right direction whenever the offense at times went stagnant uh, for the Thunder. Jay will was really good uh, shooting the ball today, which is going to come and go. Like He, he knocked down a couple big threes uh, that, that the Thunder needed from him. He went two for five from three. One was a pass fake uh, three, which really opened things up for him later on. He also had that Chelly uh, layup in the lane which was fun. He always pulls out these acrobatic layups against Philadelphia. Uh, maybe the Thunder should just try to petition the league to play Philadelphia more if it's going to make Jay will uh, play like this. But uh, it's interesting how that dynamic came together this game and what we're going to see moving forward because like, you're going to get tested on this again on Tuesday. 
your very next game after putting this on film is going to be Tuesday versus Minnesota, who have, of course, Rudy and Cat. I would be stunned if we don't see Jay Will and Chet play together again in Minnesota. I think that that could, that could be beneficial for the Thunder uh, to try that in Minnesota again and see uh, what that's like and maybe a larger sample size, maybe a different matchup, and just kind of see the pictures there. But uh, going back to the Chet conversation against Embiid, he cannot stop Embiid, especially whenever he's the only big on the floor. Nobody can. The, the, thing, the thing with Chet that you, that you like is he's got some shot blocking to him, obviously. He's a very, very, very good shot blocker. But you like the fact that while nobody can stop Embiid, nobody can slow down the league MVP. Nobody is this like Embiid guy. I mean, Horford does a really good job. Like nobody like is going to stop him on a night to night, 82 game season. We're, we're not talking playoffs right now. On a night to night, 82 game season, nobody's stopping Joel Embiid. You, you at least have a center who you think could match him on the other end, right? Like could match him, try to match him bucket for bucket. Now, Joel Embiid was incredible tonight. And so like, Chet scored 33 points and beat scored 35, but like, you know, you, you want to see uh, the advantages or like the, the trade-offs of this. Whenever you're playing Chet versus Embiid by himself, it's just, Hey, can you go out there and keep pace offensively uh, with his production? And, and Chet did a pretty decent, decent job of that in this game. Uh, Usman Jang was also very good in this game. I thought he, you know, I, I want to ask Mark about this the next time we get to talk to him, you know, his big assignment Usman Jenks was in the G League was getting better at playing in small spurts. And so I've asked Cam Woods, who's, of course, a former player. He played for the Blue, played for Mark, uh, and, of course, was a great player at Butler. I've asked uh, Cam Woods about how difficult that is because it sounds easy, right? It sounds on the surface like, yeah, when you get put in the game, you should be able to play well. But, you know, you go through this whole warm-up process and, like, no no excuses me, but, like, Usman Jenks' warm-up is, like, at 4 o'clock for a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, And you go through this whole warm-up process – you, you do the layup lines before the game, and then you sit on the bench for an undefined amount of time and, and, and a variation time that happens game to game. Some days you get put in early, some days you get put in late, some days you get put in at all. So it's it's hard that, to keep your body and keep yourself ready to go. And so Cam Woods explained it's so a really difficult task in basketball is to stay ready and to stay uh, and not having to use your first few minutes to get acclimated to playing basketball. Instead, using your first few minutes to just playing good basketball. And I thought that Usman Jang did a much better job of that. His first few minutes were really active, uh, doing a great job filling space and cutting and, and floating around offensively. And this time, floating is a positive. You know, offensively, he kind of moved, even on that first possession. He goes from the corner to the dunker spot, to the other dunker spot, up top to the nail, over to the corner, uh, all off ball. He gets the ball in the corner, and people were kind of clamoring from the shoot that ball just from watching all of his warm-ups like that. That wasn't a great uh, catch base for him, the way that he likes to shoot, uh, in my opinion. So he was able to fire it off quickly and be very decisive to the top of the key with Jay Will, who's a very excellent passer. Jay Will fires it down. It's an easy dunk for OKC. And so instead of rushing into a three or just being robotic of like, oh, well, I've got to pass in the corner, I've got to shoot, he's able to realize, hey, yeah, I'm in the corner. Yeah, I'm kind of open, but like this is not going to be good. Uh, for for the outcome, so he keeps it moving, and, and the Thunder are able to capitalize on it. So like he he had much better uh, decisions and quicker decisions, and much better off ball activity going around the world and finding the soft spots in the defense. And uh, some some of the stuff he did as a passer 
isn't going to show up in the in the stat sheet necessarily, but it's the quick extra passes that don't end possessions that were really good from from him. And he had two assists to go along with it in eight minutes. That's really good, two assists in eight minutes. And, and I thought he played much better in spurts and didn't have to take, uh, you know, that time to ramp up that, that that Cam Woods was talking about, and that it's been a point of emphasis for him. And so it's a young player, and I know that, uh, you know, you kind of the game passes you by sometimes. So like in terms of like the fan interest of. You know, you're hooked on all the guys who are playing so well in the NBA. Uh, Usman Jang is still a very talented player, still a lottery pick, and is still developing. And at least he's heading still in the right direction uh, for for now. But I'm I'm curious to see what Mark would say about Usman Jang's game the next time we talk to him, you know, either tomorrow at practice or Monday at practice, whenever they whenever they practice again. But uh, coming up, let's talk SGA. Let's talk the Thunder's game as a whole and more. But first, let's say right now, my good friends over at FanTool. Folks, you can go to FanDuel.com right now, slash locked on. And anytime that you win a, well, you know, if when you go there, at any time, you can go and make your first account, make your, your brand new account. And when you do your first bet, that is a $5 money line bet. If you win it, you get $150 in bonus bets for winning that $5 money line bet to new customers. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and go there right now because you're going to want that new customer $5 money line bet to hit and get you the 150 bucks in bonus bets. A money line bet is just who you think will win. So if you go to FanDuel and you can go find, you know, the, the largest favorite on the board, you can just bet their money line. And as long as they hold true to the projections and they win, boom, you've won the bonus money for being a first time customer at FanDuel. I love FanDuel right now because with FanDuel, Everything's in action. You have the NFL, you have college football, you have uh, college basketball, NBA, NHL. You can bet on all that fun stuff, and the money lines for all those sports will uh, work for this. Uh, so go there right now to go to fanduel.com slash locked on, fanduel.com slash locked on to get started uh, for new customers that $5 money line bet. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. You know, SGA, who's good tonight? Like, there, there's not many nuanced things to say about SGA's game. Other than, you know, I find it interesting that uh, Joel Embiid was able to uh, was able to shoot 21 free throws, uh, plus 11 to Shea's 10. Uh, Shea did go 10 for 10 at the free throw line, and 10 is a good number. Like, I, 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 you know, comparisons to Thief of Joy, 10 is a really good number, especially based upon what the league had been doing to, to SGA previously. But I just think that, like, when it all comes out in the wash, you'd much prefer, like, if you're going to call some of that ticky-tack stuff on the Thunder on a big man like Joel Embiid, you got to call some of the hard contact on SGA on the other end. Uh, I think there were some consistencies with the whistle, uh, but ultimately the Thunder just had a lot of dry spells that kind of cost them. The, they had too many dry spells. I think that Jada being out was a massive hit to them. 
if Jay was you know, in this game, I think it's totally different, uh, but that's life in the NBA. You're going to be missing guys sometimes, but, but J-Dub could have really helped carry the load, especially uh, whenever, you know, he had no Shea minutes, no stretches where there's no Shea, no Chet. And, and, you know, you guys uh, were looking for better offense from the Thunder. Uh, but the, 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 the flat out line is the Sixers are a really good team and they play a style that is just not conducive for the Thunder to win. Uh, you, you have 45 free throws from the Sixers. Uh, you you have the fact that the Sixers, again, are, are, are really good at, at spraying the ball out of the post from Embiid and, and knocking down shots, especially with Tyrese Maxey. The Thunder tried everything. I mean, they tried Bertans minutes. Uh, there, there was no stationary shooter to put Bertans on, so this was a really risky matchup to play him in. Uh, it was kind of just at that point where, like, you might as well try something. Uh, and the Sixers did a good job of, like, putting him into actions early on and really exploiting him. But ultimately... When the Thunder were able to put out SGA, Joe, Jay, Will, and Chet next to him, he was able to kind of play in this zone trap concept where they were able to hide him a little bit more. But Breton's just just the minutes were harder on him than they usually are. Because usually, as we've documented in this podcast, like he's playing against stationary shooters who are just going to sit there like Joe Harris in the corner and not move whenever he was playing for the Pistons. Like, you know, you had uh, Yang was like that. Uh, uh, Struess was like that. Uh, you, you had players who would just kind of sit there and not bring him into the action. Well, the Sixers run so many pick and rolls and they run so many concepts. Like when you put him on, on Robert Covington, he's going to bring you to the ball and he's going to exploit you in that way. And it happened multiple times on Bertans. So it's just, that's like the only downside to Bertans is that he's trying hard defensively. He's, he's giving his best effort. Uh, it's not from like a lack of trying. It's just, he can't, he can't defend in space uh, against these premier NBA scores. And when you're on the court, they're going to hunt that mismatch. And the Sixers did that, did a good job of it. But ultimately, that, that, line, the, that lineup, as wacky as it might have been with him and Jay Will and Chet uh, and, and, and Joe and SGA, it did it did provide a, a spark in the sense of uh, at least it came back. You know, he came back and you had a chance uh, at the end. And he was technically uh, in this game uh, as an individual player, a plus nine. But the eye test kind of was a tiny bit of a different story. But uh, Bertans, I, I, I appreciate the creativity because it's better to try something different. But uh, I, I think his best matchups are, of course, whenever the other team has a stationary shooter. Uh, but Isaiah Joe, uh, sometimes you're going to miss open threes, missed a couple open ones. But three for 12 tonight was not a, a night for him. Uh, 25% from three is not a night for him that is standard or that. Uh, is up to his expectation, but it's tough that it happened against his former team. I, I'm sure he would have liked to have one of those hot nights against the Sixers, but that's that's just shooting. Like sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. In the Thunder, we're out rebounded, 49 to 38. Philadelphia had 12 turnovers to OKC's four. Now the Thunder one points in the paint, 50 to 38. But here's the big deal: you know, the Sixers were able to dominate their style of play. They were able to get to the line. They're able to out rebound you. And they're able to outmuscle you for second chance points, 21 to 12. The Thunder style of play is like getting out and running. And in fast break points, they they did win the category, but they won the category 12 to 7. So you forced 12 turnovers, you got 12 fast break points, but they limited your ability to get out and run. And that's just going to limit uh, you know, limit the Thunder's ability uh, to be successful at times offensively. And you saw that in the stretch of this game where they just were not able to be uh, overly successful offensively. Uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers did a great job of hitting clutch free throws. Got to give them credit there. That's that's a tough uh, job to do. The Thunder shot 45, I'm sorry, 44 
37-80. The Sixers shot 45-34-82. Casey Wallace got to start again. I thought Casey Wallace did a good job of uh, choosing when to commit to double teams versus choosing when to peel off and when to go uh, go get a shooter in the corner versus staying committed to the double. That's a skill, and that's a good skill for a rookie to have and to, to possess already. He only played 13 minutes tonight. Uh, did Casey Wallace. They tried those other lineups, and they tried those other uh, opportunities to play bigger. Uh, but this is your game recap for the Philadelphia 76ers MVP of the game. Let's go to Chet Holmgren song of the game. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Here they come 76ers only because it is the best uh, fight song in the entire world. Close second uh, Miami Dolphins uh, fight song. Close third. The Eisenhower fight song from Lawton uh, public schools. Uh, close fourth uh, Rocky top. Uh, let's put Rocky top above Eisenhower. Uh yeah, so let me know what you think is the best uh, fight songs. Let me know what you thought about this game. Uh, and hopefully my uh, my voice will be back sooner than later. But until then, be good. And be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.